I want to share a, a message with you this morning. Um, as some of you know, I love to communicate. But um, this morning, I hope I have brevity. But not like a professor of Yale University, who we began a talk, and he said, I want to frame my speech around those four letters, Yale. His listeners looked hopeful. Why, he said, stands for Yale, for youth. And he spoke for 15 minutes about youth. He said, A is for ambition, the great American virtue. And another 20 minutes went by. L stands for learning. Another 15 minutes went by. E for that great institution, education. And with his listeners getting low in their chairs, he sat down after another 20 minutes. There was relief. And he turned to his neighbor and he said, how did I do? Well, we enjoyed it, but we're so glad that you're not from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. <laughs> I want to talk about Jesus this morning. And uh, I haven't got any words to go from the J-E-S-U-S. I did think, but um, I haven't. There was a boy once upon a time, and he said, um, is God all around us? And his mum said to him, yes. And the boy got a cup and he went, got him. <laughs> and to some people, that's their picture of God, isn't it? Of Jesus. They confine him to one particular area or one particular thing or one particular of our lives where we say, yeah, God, you can come into that bit, but I'm going to rule this bit. We're going to have a couple of uh, readings. Colossians chapter 1. Andrew's going to read to start with, verses 13 to 23, and all about the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption of sins, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. Is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held in the gospel, this is the gospel being heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant.
Thank you, Andrew. So, all about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and unpack that a bit more in a minute. Jeff, can you just come and read Philippians chapter 2, 5 to 11? And this is all about the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. The attitude you should have is the one that Jesus Christ had. He always had the nature of God, but he did not think by force he should try to become equal with God. Instead of this, of his own free will, he gave up all he had and took the nature of a servant. He became like a man and appeared in human likeness. He was humble and walked the path of obedience all the way to death, his death on the cross. For this reason, God raised him to the highest place above and gave him the name that is greater than any other name. And so in honour of the name of Jesus, all beings in heaven on earth and in the world below will fall on their knees and all will openly proclaim that Jesus Christ is the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Thanks, Jeff. And uh, those of us who have been worshipping irregularly and online earlier this year, on Sundays we did a whole section on the Apostles' Creed. And just to remind you of what the Apostles' Creed says, In Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried, he descended into hell, but on the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I want to pose a question. Why should God become man? And why should God become man and then die on a cross? The unique claim of Christianity is that God has become man in Jesus of Nazareth, who died nearly, well, just over 2,000 years ago. He was God's perfect son, who became a man in order to explain God's purposes to the world. And when he died, he took on himself the punishment for man's rebellion and opened up the way for us to go to God. Other religions, Christians, Jews, Muslims, they all see God as creator, controller of the universe, one who reveals himself to mankind. We have no argument with a Jew and a Muslim up to this point, but the crunch then comes in Hebrews chapter 1. Jews and Christians will say that God reveals himself but in Hebrews it says only Christians say that God reveals himself through Jesus. So as Christians we do have initially some comparison and some symmetry with other religions. But it's only 
Christians who can say God reveals himself and Jesus reveals himself and God reveals himself sorry, through Jesus. God's purpose in creation is not frustrated or defeated by man. God knew that man had problems being in harmony with him. And there were human limitations of showing that likeness of God in our lives. And as the Old Testament unfolds, we see first of all man's disobedience. We see man's rejection of God and ignorance and not a following of God's ways. And that stops man from having harmony with his Creator. In Exodus chapter 20, we get given the Ten Commandments. And they were given to the early Christians to show how to live and come into line with God's will. But despite this guidance, man still was disobedient and rejected God. And in Psalm 14, verse 3, it says, No one does good, no one at all. So why death? Sorry. God knew that man's sin, even before the universe came into being, that man was not capable of being the image that God created him in. Man couldn't please the Creator unaided. God had to do something to make his living design a reality. And only by God's enabling was man able to please God. This is the whole crux of the understanding of the Bible and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And in Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah relayed God's promises. Jeremiah being a prophet, he said that God would make a new covenant with mankind. Not an external one, but having an internal relationship with himself. He said he would write it on people's hearts within them. So never longer for one to teach others about God, because they would all one day come to know him personally. Their sins would be forgiven, and their wrongdoings put aside. So in summary, man was made in God's image, designed to be like him. Man decides to go in alone, makes a total mess of it. External rules and regulations were given, but did people follow them? No. God says, Man is to be worked on internally so that sin can be forgiven and perfect harmony restored with the Creator. So God had purpose for mankind, but it only sadly becomes a reality if God keeps taking initiative, because man doesn't do what God wants him to do. So God must do something to man to give him the power to do his will and his way. The line of God reaches its peak when we look at the person of Jesus. Jesus is the perfect revelation that God can give him himself in human terms and understanding. Jesus is the man that bears the divine image perfectly. Someone who is completely motivated and moved by God, devoid of any selfish action or deeds, has no pride in doing things in his own strength. 
The New Testament says that Jesus is that very man. You know, people were astounded at Jesus' teaching. They said, no one's ever spoken like this before. He speaks with such authority and astounded with what he said about his healing, his stories, his power of death, raising Lazarus and Jairus' daughter from the dead. They were astounded by his insights, his understanding, and his goodness. So why death for God made man? Jesus wasn't sent to us just to show. Jesus wasn't an afterthought. In Genesis, God says, let us make man in our image. Not let me, let us. God already knew about Jesus. It wasn't an afterthought when we got to the New Testament. It wasn't God thinking, oh dear, this is all gone wrong. What am I going to do? Okay, I'll bring Jesus into the world. No, that was there in the very first place. Life, death, and resurrection of Jesus are the turning point of history. Bringing men back to God, that was Jesus' aim. How could God forgive us by the death of Jesus? We might not understand, but God made it possible by suffering himself. Sacrifice wasn't just soothing down God, it's God showing man how he can come back to himself. This is the wonder and the mystery of the cross. Jesus suffered. He suffered, he had wounds. And it says in the New Testament, and by his wounds, we are healed. So when Jesus died, it was God's suffering because of our wrong. But he showed his love by taking it all on himself. Again, God showed the initiative many times in the Old Testament and the New Testament because he loved his creation, he loved us, and he wanted us to have a relationship with him. And he kept giving us chance after chance after chance, as he does today. But the crucifixion was a once-only act. And at the very end, do you remember those words? It is finished. A cry of triumph. It is finished. You know what? We're not saved by merits, goodness, or suffering of our own. Jesus gave lots of titles to himself. Son of God, Word, High Priest, Messiah, Son of Man, Lord and Saviour. Most are difficult to understand in detail, but they all have one clear implication. By claiming them, by using them, Jesus was claiming a unique relationship with God his Father. Now if Jesus' claims were false, as many people in our world think they were, we are left not with a pious, pious Jewish rabbi, as some historians describe Jesus, but we're left with a man suffering from delusion and fraud. In either case, Jesus could only be classified then with the other messiahs who appeared sporadically during the first century, whose influence was short-lived and they were forgotten quickly and easily. But Jesus was not forgotten. And his claims were firmly grounded in his teaching about himself and about his place in God's plans. So, is that all history? 
It is, but it's relevant today. So the question I pose now, what's that got to do with me today, the 3rd of October 2021? In Philippians 2.10 it says, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And in verse 11, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. If we take this seriously, it implies a relationship with Jesus. The only way to be reconciled to God. This was God's intention for us at the very beginning in Genesis. So if we have a relationship with God through Jesus, we're on the right road. We have life as it was intended. We're not just playing at having life. And we will be like him. We'll be in his image, perfect. Are we? We'll be completely motivated and moved by God to do what he wants. Are we? We will be devoid of selfish actions and pride and words. Are we? People were astounded at the lifestyle of Jesus. Are people astounded by our lifestyle? Are they astounded by our words and our actions? Do we have an impact in the world with our family, with our loved ones, with our friends, with our work colleagues, our leisure colleagues, people we meet in the street, our neighbours? Are they impacted because we have a relationship with Jesus and through Jesus to God? Some of you know I used to work within the YMCA movement for 16 years. And one of my colleagues worked in Walford. And he wrote this many years ago. And I want to share it with you. You are a valuable person. You are a special person. You are a unique person. You're beautiful. You're precious. Are you getting embarrassed at this point? Because he's talking about me and you. You're unrepeatable. You're mysterious. You're a beautiful human person. No one will ever exist like you. No one will ever experience a life that you've experienced. And some of you are probably thinking, thank goodness for that. <laughs> You're a collection of specialness that has never been put together before. Your life deserves a film premiere at the West End in London. You're so special and valuable that Jesus died for you. He loves you so much that he's given his life for you. His love is completely and totally 100% for you. His love for you is unconditional. If you became a better person now, if you became a committed Christian today, God couldn't love you any more than he does already. His love for you is total now and he cannot love you anymore. But of course, he deserves a response. And it makes him happy if we respond. But his love is not dependent on it. You are 100% totally and completely loved by God, your Father. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? And yet, when we love somebody, in a human form, and they let us down, do we carry on loving them? Sometimes, sometimes not. 
How many times has mankind let God down? Right from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament. God gave them another chance. He gave them ten commandments. He gave them Jesus. I don't know. I'm just thinking in a human form. We'd have walked away years ago. But God never walks away. We are his creation. And he loves us. And the biggest thing he wants is us to be in relationship with him. We are made in the image of God. We live in a world, God's world, but sadly we've changed it around and often it's our world and God is on the periphery. Not really, but we've put it there. We're in a partnership. Our relationship with God is a partnership. That word partnership perhaps comes up, partnership with a wife or a husband, a father or a mother, a business partner. But God's role is to love and lead us. And our role is to say yes and to do in that relationship what God wants. When we respond to God and we commit our life to him, does it stop there? No. He wants us to serve him. There are so many ways we're told in the Bible that the good news is for the poor. Well, who are the poor? Well, I'm poor, because I've only got one house and one car. And I don't earn 60,000 pounds. I'm poor, compared with some people. Poor means those who are in need. Are you in need? I'm in need. I'm in need. I won't go into great detail about what need I have. We're told in the New Testament that people in need are those until they know God personally and they have a close relationship with God and they can experience the fullness and purpose of life. Much of the work that goes on under the work here of the Connect during the week, we're giving hope and purpose to people. But sadly, in some of our work, we don't go far enough. Because real hope and purpose is when people have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what we've got to show people and bring to people. But hopefully people can see that because they look at us. They look at us and say, wow, there's something different about that person. I want what they've got. Always reminds me this week, um, I saw on, on, on YouTube a picture of um, Kate Middleton, you know, the princess of... Um, Cambridge. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, Cambridge. I say Cornwall, it's not. And um, you know, she was playing tennis with Emma Raducanu. You've probably seen that. And they reported. But what did they report? They reported everything that the princess was wearing and where she got it from. And then we heard that a day later, some shops had sold out of all that stuff. Everybody wanted what she had. Does everybody want what we have? Do we have an impact here in Wales or wherever we live? We live in an age which is very much on an approval basis, isn't it? Take it or leave it. I cannot stand these adverts that say, you know, buy now, buy now, pay later. And it works its way for people who haven't got the money and they think, I've got the money now. Or will they have it in six months? No, they're just getting to debt. Terrible advertising. 
But that's the society we're living in. Buy now, pay later. Some people view Christianity like that. They're very grateful that God saved them. And now that they feel they're all right, they have their Christian life in front of them. And when certain things are put in front of them, they adopt some of them, but they dislike others. They want to send it back to God, saying, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I'll do that. No, no, no. Reserve that God for somebody else. I don't want to do that. I want comfortable Christianity on my terms. Whether we like it or not, when we become a Christian, we take on the obedience and role of a servant. And like the people in front of Joshua, we have to serve. We have no choice. God says in Matthew 28, Go make disciples. He didn't say, if there's nothing good on television tonight, or you can't be bothered. But he said, go and make disciples. The question I ask myself, when did I go and last make a disciple? No, I'm not the one making disciples, got it. But when did I last go and tell people about Jesus so that they could give their life to Jesus? That's not a pretty answer, if I'm honest with myself. But what about you as well this morning? How do we serve God? By telling people how he's changed our lives. By showing it in our actions. By showing love. In the New Testament, it talks about making disciples. It talks about being salt and light in your community. In James, it's saying, take your faith, but act on it. Faith without actions is no good. And I hope you understand what I'm going to say now. And this... I don't want to judge at anybody in particular, but sometimes I feel there are people who say, I'm a Christian, and it stops there. They don't enact it in their lives. They don't serve. Well, what's the point of saying I'm a Christian if it doesn't enact in your life and you don't serve and you don't act on what God wants you to do? got some pieces of paper here with some words written down. Outfield. I want you to think of cricket. Some of you will think, I haven't a clue about cricket. <laughs> but cricket, normally you'll have a big spot of green field and often it's round the boundary. And there are people who are batting in the middle and people who are bowling and there are people who are fielding. I want you to think this morning as I just talked through a few images to do with cricket about where you are in your life with Jesus this morning. Firstly, have you committed your life to Jesus? Or did you in the past and you need to commit and get before him again and say, I'm sorry, I want to be in partnership with you as a committed Christian. But then the next stage, am I willing to have my life impacted? Am I willing to talk to others? Am I willing to serve you in my daily life with my neighbours? If someone is, is, is hungry, am I willing to give them food? Am I willing to give them that? Am I willing to help them in this? Am I willing to talk to them? Because God loved us and he asks us to love other people. So if you're a Christian this morning, then where are we? 
Home on the cricket field, on the outfield. So we're not where all the action is, because that's where all the action is. At the wicket, right in the middle, that's where all the action is. That's where the Christians are. That's where all the people are, uh, are actually making sure that they're doing what God wants. Are we in the changing rooms? Deciding whether we even want to get out there? Or are we keeping our Christianity to ourselves? We're hiding where no one can see. Or have we lived a life where we think, you know what? I just want to wash it all off in the showers. I've had it. Christianity doesn't mean anything for me. I've, I've had it. I just want to wash it all off. Or, again, are we there in the wicked, right at the very front, right in the action? So we're going to have a, a time of prayer in a minute. And during that time of prayer, I want you to, if you feel able, just to chat to your Heavenly Father. And your prayer is up to you what you pray, but it may be, God, thank you for revealing yourself to me through Jesus. Or it may be, you revealed yourself to me, but I'm sorry that I've not taken this seriously in recent months and years. I want to do that. May also be, I need to serve you because that's what we demand of me in my relationship with you. Show me how I can.